Welcome to Planet Logic and Political Pursuits, the podcast. Today's episode, Awakening Lions. I'm Lynn Woolley of Planet Logic. Political Pursuits' Lou Ann Anderson is here. Uh, Awakening Lions. You know, we've had this Davos thing, Lou Ann. We're seeing some people starting to make some comments. The whole Trump idea of make America great again is coming back into vogue. People around the world are beginning to see the fallacies in the way the liberal elites have been running the country and the world in recent times, and uh, ergo the the title today, are people waking up? It would seem that they certainly are, and I think that we probably, from a historical standpoint, will look back at 2020 and the pandemic as having really been the turning point in which that happened, because that affected us in so many ways, politically, economically, personally, financially. But, you know, one of the main things was that it really exposed the attitudes and the agendas of our governments. And it exposed also, I think, the cohesion that we have of not only a certain, you know, a nation's government trying to exert control, but it showed the coordinated efforts such that the World Economic Forum, you know, 20 years ago, if you started talking World Economic Forum, people kind of laughed at you. They were like the, the Bilderbergers, and, you know, mm. they were just this, like, nebulous organization, and, you know, no, that, you know, get your tinfoil hat back on type thing. Now, the World Economic Forum is front and center in trying to do so many things that impacts our daily lives, and I think that a lot of that came out of 2020. I think it did, too, and I think a lot of it is related to climate change. This is what the world elites have used to control the people or the sheeple, if you prefer. Uh, Again, I I misplaced my invitation to this thing, so I couldn't go. But when you you look at the global elites, I I guess the the name, the, the face that pops up in my head just when you say the word global elite is John Kerry. I mean, I cannot think of anybody more smug, nobody any more self-important, nobody so proud of his own abilities, nobody that be- nobody that believes he's so special. Oh, somebody like me, you know, somebody like me, he said, I have to have a private jet. I'm going around the world doing good uh, by refusing to let anybody else use a private jet. And it's becoming apparent that we've been fed a line of bull crap. The world is not coming apart or dying from global warming, which has now been changed to climate change, because that covers any anything that happens. They can now say it's climate change. And you go over to this thing at Davos, and it's, it's typically like the Borg on Star Trek, all of one collective mind. And Luann, that fell apart well, this year. Well, what's funny is that their theme for this, this little shindig was regaining trust. And I found that so ironic because it's a matter of they want to regain trust. So they want to they want to alter the way in which people view them. Well, if you really wanted to do that, the best thing that you would do is maybe alter your behavior. 
Maybe stop doing the things that make people mistrust you. That would be a good, you know, first step in regaining trust. But no, with this crowd, it's not about that. It's that we've got to find a way to further control the information that the populations worldwide can get a hold of. We need to control the messaging. We need to make sure that they don't have access to information for them to help uh, form more, more, you know, stringent opinions about things based on facts and actualities and realities. And so their idea of regaining trust is, you know, basically how can we take a new approach to bamboozling the people of Earth? Mm-hmm. Well, but this is term awakening lions. I, I know that came from a specific leader. Uh, we also had a couple of Americans go over there and, and, and kind of uh, upset the apple cart. But in countries, we've seen this happening for a while in Hungary, and now we're seeing it happen in other places where they're basically saying the, 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 the liberal global elitist model is not working, and I am running, or I have been elected, and now I'm going to govern from a different point of view. Well, back in 2016, you remember that the world was set on edge that summer when Brexit passed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, rightfully so, believe that that could be a harbinger for Trump's election, which, in fact, even though all the odds said no, it could never happen, and everything was stacked against him, and he was outspent and outgunned in every step of the way, son of a gun, he shocked the world, and he won. And that's what people now, in 2020, they made sure that didn't happen, they shut the world down and stole an election. But now in 2024, with what you see going on worldwide, the elites are afraid that 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 could happen again for here in 2024. And I think they have very good reason to be concerned about that. Just a little fun fact, in 2024, more than half of the people on this planet live in countries where there will be elections. More than half. And the people aren't happy. And the people are not happy. And the gripes that they have have major, major similarities. Immigration and the economy are probably the biggest two. People aren't concerned about climate change. Well, you mentioned Brexit. I mean, that's that was driven by immigration. I mean, you, you've, you've had the attacks on the London Bridge at the Ariana Grande concert in Manchester, I believe it was, in, in England. Um, and these things seem to be precipitated by, by people with grievances who are able to get into your country from some other country. We're seeing that here. We, we saw it certainly on 9-11. And uh, I, 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 think, I think people are thinking, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. All this sort of relates to MAGA. What does that stand for? It's not, make, it's not uh, take over America. It's make America great again. And for Democrats to run against making America great seems counterintuitive, but that's what they're doing. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. But I think it's a matter of what they their problem with it is it's a little just too much of a broad-based idea, make America great. Now, if it was make the American elite's lives great again... Or make developing or keep, countries great. Yeah. Make developing countries great. Developing countries are a useful tool. 
for the political elites. Because oh, without a doubt. Because that's one way they can come to us with a straight face and say, we're taking your money and we're giving it to somebody else. And, and that's, to me, what um, what climate change is all about. It's about equity. Re- it's equity. About, yes. Redistributing money or wealth from richer countries to poorer countries. Well, what where, I f- where, where, where the people who run those poorer countries will then proceed to steal it. What I find exciting about what's going on right now, and I mean, 2024 is probably going to be the most um, stressful year any of us have ever lived through. You know, for anyone who was, you know, not really of age in World War II. But what I think is so neat there at Davos, both with Argentinian newly elected president Javier Malay, who was the one who talked about that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. But he and Kevin Roberts, because Kevin Roberts from the Heritage Foundation, who also used to be uh, with Texas Public Policy Foundation, uh, right prior to go into to heritage. But anyway, Roberts at a panel, he came out just right, you know, the first thing he said, the kind of person who will come into the next conservative administration here in the U.S. is going to be governed by one principle, destroying the grasp that political elites and unelected technocrats have over the average person. And that's exactly, in a nutshell, what you see that desire in a leader playing out all over the world. Well, Kevin Roberts sat on a panel that was uh, being moderated by one of those uh, aforementioned political elites. He looked the guy in the face and he said, the problems we have in the world now, uh, you're the problem. The political elites are the problem. And it reminded me, and I'll paraphrase Ronald Reagan when he said, in these times in which we live, government is not the solution. Government is the problem. And what Kevin Roberts said and what Ronald Reagan said both remind me of the Biden administration and how it is trying to take over everything. I mean, do you want a gas range? I mean, if you want one, Biden says you can't have it. Uh, Biden doesn't want you to have a power lawnmower running on gas. Biden doesn't want you to have a car running on gas. And Luann, 2024, as you mentioned, could be an interesting year. 2024, in fact, January of 2024 is the year that people who depend on electric vehicles to get them from point A to point B have found out that you don't always make it to point B, especially when it's cold. Without a doubt. Lithium batteries do not like the cold. People would sit there and charge and charge and charge, and their charge gauge still says zero. Yeah, they're not they're not ready. They're not ready for prime time. No, and it seems like to me things happen organically. They're fine. I mean, we we don't ride in horses to work and we don't have, you know, the buggy the buggy industry is dead. But it didn't happen overnight. And if we switch to electric vehicles, it seems to me that the technology has got to move forward a little bit every year till we get to a point where we can develop a battery that can handle the coal. But again, that goes against the laws of physics. Well, and it's it's just, it's not, it hasn't developed to the point of being ready for mass marketing. But it's also like Kevin Roberts said when he was going through his, his list of the things that the elites try to convince us of that's a good thing when the people know differently. You know, everything from immigration to the crime that we have on the streets. And when he got to um, climate change, talking about that, he said, you know, it's probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. 
and he was talking about wind and solar wind and solar and he said you know we love the idea of wind and solar but it needs to be developed in a free market it doesn't need to be developed in a government environment where it's and they it's call it hinged re- on subsidies Lou and they call it re- renewable energy wind and solar are alternate energy it's great when the wind is blowing let's switch over and use the windmill power and and when the sun is shining and it's hot and it's 110 degrees and there's not a cloud in the sky switch over to to, to solar but if you don't have that fossil fuel backing it up you're going to regret it and that's exactly what we've been seeing exactly exactly in fact right now we are more at risk of having power outages than even we were in the summer when we did have those 110 degree days because here during the winter with the days being shorter the generation capacity for that solar is cut down because son of a gun the weffers haven't figured out how to make a winter day last longer than about eight hours ten hours well and then jamie diamond who is the head of jp morgan chase who is a a big liberal, big leftist, big, big Obama supporter, goes to this Davos thing, and I don't know who made who's making the most headlines, him or Kevin Roberts, probably probably Diamond because he's a bigger name as far as most people know. I mean, Roberts is a big name in conservative circles, maybe a big name in all circles right now. Diamond comes out and says, "Well, you know, with regard to Trump," and he's on a panel on CNN, CNBC when he did this. Remember, NBC is the most liberal of all the networks. And he says, well, when it comes to climate change, you know, you kind of got to say Trump was right about that. And, and Trump had economic ideas and he was right about those. And he said Trump was right about the border and immigration. And he goes on and on. These CNN guys' heads are just growing. And I was afraid we we're going to get blood on the camera when they exploded because they they could not believe that. Uh, but But he's right. Why, uh, let me just ask you, he's a big liberal. He just came out and said Trump was right on a number of things, including all the major issues. Why would Jamie Dimon do that? He knows that Trump is right. He has known that Trump was right, but Trump did not did not suit the agenda that Jamie Dimon wants to to be a part of. But that those comments, while he factually knew they were, or he knew they were factually accurate, I don't think his sincerity was really on the mark there. But I think that it was a matter of positioning himself to be viewed as someone who would be more looking to form an alliance with Trump and help work toward those Secretary ends. of the Treasury, yeah, head, I head, think of, that head could of the be Fed. A big one. But, you know, you've got to remember that here we are at Davos, too. There was something else that happened, you know, right during that time frame, and that's what Trump had just done what he did in Iowa. And so because he was so controlling, domineering the field there in Iowa, and New Hampshire, here it's coming up, it looks like he's certainly going to win there. It's just a matter of, you know, by how much because of the fact that Democrats can come in there and vote in the Republican primary. Nikki Haley's probably going to come in a little better than she would if it was a closed Republican primary. But still, Trump, I think he'll win by well, 10 plus tr- points. Trump, look, Trump gets the Ramaswamy votes and Haley gets the Chris Christie votes. All three. All three. <laughs> yes. 
probably so. Uh, and, and I want to talk about that a little bit more. But th- this whole idea of an awakening uh, just absolutely fascinates me. What we saw from Jamie Dimon, what we saw from, from Kevin Roberts, both of which making big news headlines, uh, and I would imagine around the world, uh, from, from what these people were saying, seeing these countries that are doing what they're doing, seeing the Brexit uh, basically over immigration, seeing how Biden just doubles down on our border being open. And you've got mayors like um, Eric Adams in New York and Brandon Johnson in Chicago literally begging Texas Governor Greg Abbott to at least slow down during the winter months. They don't have any way to take care of this. So New York City, Chicago, two of the three largest cities in the United States, can't handle this in the same efficient manner that Eagle Pass does, or McAllen, or Laredo. And I'm just amazed by this. And are these mayors part of that awakening? To a degree, yes, because they are now, they are now, you know, having to live the experience. In theory, immigration's great. Oh, give us your tired, your poor, those huddled masses. Well, now they got the huddled masses, and they're going, "What in the hell do we do with these people?" In the face by reality. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I've always said, if you want to defeat liberalism. Let it do what it wants to do. Let it do what it will do and wait a couple of years. With Joe Biden, I think almost more than with Obama, and I don't really quite understand this, but with Joe Biden, liberalism has been put into motion almost 100%. I mean, at an by, accelerated rate. At an accelerated rate. Uh, and he started it on day one with what I think are unconstitutional uh, executive orders. I, I believe executive orders ought to be limited to, uh, you know, things pertaining to the White House staff and what, what will be on the menu at the state dinner and things like that. But I believe our Constitution says anything of consequence has to be passed by the House, passed by the Senate, and signed by the President. So uh, Biden, Biden did all these things, basically saying, anything Trump did, I will do the opposite. That was his guiding light. Anything Trump did, bad. Anything Trump did, the opposite would be good. And it hasn't turned out to be correct. But yet Biden, who back when he was still more cognizant than he is now, wanted open borders. He's never wanted anything but open borders, and he's had a chance to do it now. And, and I think we're seeing an awakening in New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, some of the places where Abbott and, to some extent, um, DeSantis, he sent them up to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, we're seeing an awakening. Martha's Vineyard uh, deported them from Martha's <laughs> Vineyard in 24 hours. Absolutely. So we're starting to see the realization And I'll put it like this way from a liberal point of view. Someone may be thinking who is a liberal, oh my gosh, I have wanted this all my life. I have looked forward to this. I have wanted a president to do these things, and I have that, and the president's doing it. Why is it all falling apart? Why is it all crumbling? I would think that there is some real soul-searching going on with a, a segment of the population, uh, not everybody, but again, it's that awakening lions that, um, you know, there are some people that are self-reflective enough that they can figure it out. 
and the realities that they're seeing, you know, they're broad-based. That's not hitting Republicans or Democrats. I mean, it is hitting different groups of people differently, but that's based more on economic factors than it is on on racial factors. Awakening Lions. Presidents of Harvard and Penn go before the Congress, and the question was fairly simple. Um, is it genocide, or if people are chanting from the river to the sea, meaning destroy Israel, drive them into the sea, the Israelis are dogs and pigs, and does that comport, when your students do it, does that comport with with the, the regulations and the viewpoint and, and the, 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 the basic uh, values, I guess is the word, of, say, Harvard. And Claudine Gay goes into a, legal, a legally, lawyerly approved uh, nuance. Well, you know, it depends on this and it depends on that. So was the not the takeaway from that then kind of that whole whole thing about all animals are equal, some are just more equal than others? Uh, maybe so. Yeah, some eat others. Some are the eaties, and some are the some are the eaters. But when you can't go before the Congress and simply say, at my school, at my college, at my university, we don't believe in genocide, and we will stop any any movement at our college toward that it goes back goes back for great, any group. greatest human being in politics in my lifetime and some people would say trump i would not i would say ronald reagan because i, I the, the, there's video you can find on youtube anytime you want to it's reagan sitting at a news conference in sacramento and the reporter looks at reagan it's all black and white early 60s whenever he was governor and uh, the students at Berkeley had just taken over the administration building and thrown the president of Berkeley out of his own office, and they had occupied it. This is what the liberals would call an insurrection today. Um, and uh, the reporter asked Reagan bluntly the question, well, why don't you sit down with the students and negotiate with them? And because they, they have a point here. Yeah. Reagan said, negotiate with the students? Why would I negotiate with the students? We're running the college. We're the adults. They go there because we let them go there. I'm not negotiating with any students. Well, fast forward. Here we are. Is it an awakening now? On college campuses, are we awakening some lions somewhere that maybe the college ought to be able to control the student body just a little bit since they're essentially children and they have been indoctrinated by left-wing professors? Well, this is another front that colleges are now having to defend themselves on because certainly we found over the last years how worthless some of these degrees are. And so that has caused people to start really rethinking, is college even worth coming? And now when people are coming to look at a college, they have to start looking at, well, okay, if I'm Jewish or even if I'm a Christian— or if I'm a conservative, do I need to maybe rethink going to college or certainly to this college or that college? Because they're going to consider me. Or if you're cisgender. Me. I mean, if you're cisgender, I mean, you know. It could, that, those can be fighting words. I tried to find out one time if I was cisgender. You know, that's uh, considered a pejorative in some 
Yes. In in some circles yes. now. So no, I think I think that that colleges are finding themselves having to defend their institutions. Oh, what's on her a name? Claudine Gay. Yeah. What a, what a phony. In every step of phony every all the sense way of the word, a, yeah. a box checker essentially, right. uh, who had made her way forward on the strength of some, I guess, pretty well written uh, theses and things like that. Problem was, <laughs> it wasn't her. It wasn't writing. her work. <laughs> yes, I mean she's as big a plagiarist as the current guy that occupies the Oval Office, who I will never refer to in my lifetime as president, and that's Joe Biden, who who is a well known plagiarist. You know, there, there, there's attribution, there's there's your own work, and then there's just flat out, you steal what somebody else did. Yes. And, and that's ridiculous. And, and you know, it's, a, it's just crazy that this woman then can do what, I'm assuming, I think she did this. Uh, I call her Take a Load Off Fanny uh, because it's one of my favorite songs by the group, the band, was mm-hmm. Take a Load Off Fanny. This woman said that back in 2020 that she would never date anybody within her own department. And, of course, now she's in a big scandal for doing just that and for benefiting from it through lavish vacations. And then when she's called on it, she turns around and she calls calls it racism. I mean, she didn't do anything wrong. It's just all racism. It's not me. It's you. You're not willing to give a, a black woman a break here. Uh, because you're a racist. And I have to think, this does not make sense to me. Are we coming to an awakening where we are starting to realize that if we're going to treat all the different races and ethnic communities as equals in the country, then when one of them gets in trouble, you can't scream racism as a defense. Uh, Claudine Gay, Fannie Willis both did that. Yes, yes. And in terms of other awakenings, I would also say that you bring up Fannie Willis, or as Charlie Kirk calls her, Big Fannie Willis, <laughs> all of this lawfare against President Trump. It's not working. Oh, it's annoying as everything. It's causing expense for him, which is ridiculous. It's making his campaigning more difficult, as it's meant to be as the distraction that it is. And it's got to be frightening to think that, you know, if these people were able to fulfill their goals, they want to put me in jail for 700 years, the rest of my life. That's got to be intimidating at some level somewhere. But in terms of the public reaction to it, I think that's another example of the awakening. Because, you know, had they just come up with like one bogus BS indictment, People might be, wow, that's you know, that's really bad, and boy, he you know he needs to go to court and stand like and face this his grifter, accusers. Like this grifter woman that says Trump mistreated her in a department store. That's got to be the weirdest one. Oh, totally. And I mean, and if you're going to contrive something like that, can you not find somebody who is less uncredible? No, the judge wouldn't even let Trump off a day. I mean, she's the Christine Would, Blasey Ford yeah, of 2020. Exactly. The judge wouldn't halt the trial for one day so that Trump could go to Melania's mother's funeral. But my point with the awakening of all of this is that he is still stronger in the polls than ever. And Iowa showed that those polls translate to votes. And what we are seeing 
And it will be interesting as this, you know, this primary process, I think, is going to fizzle out here pretty quick. But it would seem the support is coming even far more broad-based than just Republicans. He's doing well with independents. He's doing well with minorities, with blacks, with Hispanics, with the college-educated women who... I'm a college-educated woman, and I don't know. I guess there's a lot of college-educated women that, thank God, I don't have a lot in common with. Yes. <clears throat> but I'll take it a step further than you. I think that Iowa would have been a contest. I think that New Hampshire would have been a contest. I think that South Carolina and Super Tuesday would maybe have had a part in picking our nominee in the Republican Party if they hadn't brought all these uh, lawfare is what they're calling it against Donald Trump. A lot of black men said, wait a minute, that's the way my race has been treated for a long time. Just throw us in jail. And they have a point there. I don't know if they have a point now, but there was certainly a time and maybe there's some vestiges of that. But I still think when a black man robs a bank and gets caught, he still gets to go to prison, color of the skin notwithstanding. But but I think that's a feeling within some of these communities that Trump is Trump is being attacked in the same way that some say some member of my family was. That speaks though to the two tiered system of justice. Well, sure. And I think that there are more people then maybe you realize that would say, yes, there are two tiers of justice and that that they're just that people have in their life experience. Maybe there's more people than you would realize that have had some interaction with the court system or the legal system and have seen that not all people are treated the same. Well, would you, okay, and, and let me bring up then the case of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. I mean, I, I, I have inside information from people that claim to know that he's done a lot of these things, but they couldn't convict him in, in, a, in a state impeachment, and uh, it's, it's the number one uh, sort of a pejorative type statement that I'm seeing on the political flyers that come to my mailbox when they're doing negative advertising, so-and-so voted to impeach Ken Paxton as, as considered a negative. I don't know anybody in Austin that doesn't think he's going to prison. Well, it's it's almost a reverse two-tiered just or a reverse reaction to the two tiers of justice mm-hmm. it's the people and, coming back and saying we like what he did yeah we yeah, don't want it we like what he did politically we may not like what he did personally or with his ethics but we didn't uh we weren't voting for him to be our sunday school right. teacher we were voting for him to go after the biden administration and do the things that he did and what he did there's enough of the rest of you that have done that that aren't in this two-tiered system of justice who are going away scot-free. And so you know what? You all do nothing that helps make my life or the life of residents across my state better. He actually does. So you know what? If we're going to have this two-tiered system of justice, then let's let it work on him too, and we'll let him get by with whatever he may have done. But, you know, at least he is he at least he is doing something redeeming in the fact that he is well serving the interests of the people of Texas. Hillary Clinton went on a podcast 
recently, within the last three, four weeks, and I can't remember the the exact thing, but I believe it was uh, she was talking about Trump and all the nasty things he's done. And I'm thinking, lady, you had a an illegal server at your house. Hillary, you looked at the deaths of four Americans and said, at this point, Senator, what difference does it make? You financed, took it over for some other people, but essentially financed a false dossier that was completely and utterly debunked. And you're on a podcast saying that Trump does these things? Look in the mirror. Well, it's just a matter of they are in our face all the time, you know, really not disputing the idea that there's a two tiers of justice. And so it's like, you know what? Okay, you, you've convinced me there's two tiers of justice. Most of the time it works in your favor. Well, with Ken, uh, Ken Paxton, I'm fine with it working in mine for now, a change. Bob Menendez is still in office, isn't he? For now. George Santos is not. I think I think he is in office because they don't want to risk losing the seat. I think so too. They're they're worried about keeping. Even you know, though there are some Democrats who would like him to go. I mean, look, one one of their but guys. But for the same reason, I think it was stupid that we ejected Santos. I personally think we should have just let him let ride the legal, it out. Let the legal system work its let way through. Let the legal system work its way out, and then let the voters vote in somebody else. Mm-hmm. I personally would have preferred leaving them there. And, you know, and when they're, you know, and them spend more time maybe on a budget, on cutting, cutting spending. Well, rather than okay, cutting there's, a guy a, out there's, of the there's, a, there's another great awakening. I, I remember something Rush Limbaugh said, and I thought about it. And Rush analyzed it in several different ways. But he said, I've heard all my life that all the government spending is going to wreck the country. And he said, yet my life has never been affected by it. My radio broadcast part, partner, Jim Cardle, whom I love dearly, uh, said, yes, I'm kind of in that camp. He says, I don't really see, now this was a couple months ago, I don't really see this big national debt that we have, which is now $34 trillion. I don't really see that affecting me. Well, now he does uh, try to buy a new car. Can you afford a new car? I can't afford it. I'm, I'll be relegated to use cars for the rest of my life. Uh, I don't believe that I could buy a new house right now, not with the interest rate where it is. And a can of beans at Wally World that used to be 52 cents is probably now 82 cents. And essentially, your dollar bill that when Trump left office was worth, a, 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 in, in, in real terms, a dollar at that time. Yeah. A dollar's worth in, what was it, 2020 dollars. Correct. Now he's worth less than 80 cents. Yeah. People can no longer say, I am not affected by the national debt. And therefore, we're seeing another awakening. And we are at that point now where the debt is escalating. It will consume our entire GDP. Yes. Yes. Because it was just, we added another trillion, what, in about 90 days? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's continuing at that rate. Let, right. me, let me ask, you mentioned Brexit. You, you, you stoked a, a memory in the back of my mind with this Brexit thing. Uh, there's something that rhymes with Brex, and that's Tex. I'm, I'm seeing more and more posts on X and Facebook and, and even some articles being written on, uh, could it happen? Could Texas actually leave the union? What do you make of that? There is the Texit movement, 
and they're trying to get some kind of initiative on the ballot. I haven't followed that real closely. I think it's a conversation that's worth having because unlike many states, Texas actually could stand on its own and yes, likely could, you know, it would be akin to Brexit. It would be messy <laughs> for, I think a, California you know, for a could decade. Stand on, well, I'm, let me put it this way. Texas could stand on its own. California could fall on its own. California has the resources to do and it. the capacity to do it. They do not have the leadership. They don't have the leadership nor, nor the intelligence to do it out there. Uh, you know, okay, so that's another thing where we had an awakening. Let me mention a couple of others, uh, this whole idea of canceling people. Have you noticed that Claudine Gay was kind of canceled <laughs> and the president of MIT w- w- was kind of canceled? Now, Claudine, in, t- in her favor, I will say this. Claudine was making $900,000 a year as president. And when she was canceled, unlike some Republicans who then can't go out and get a job, she simply went back to teaching grievance, her grievance classes and didn't lose any of her salary. So you really can't say that she was canceled. But do you think there's an awakening now that, that maybe uh, we shouldn't have renamed Fort Hood to Fort Cavazos? Maybe we shouldn't be toppling statues of Robert E. Lee? Maybe Legacy High School in Midland should go back to being Lee High School? I think people are rethinking all of that. I think that in terms of the cancellations of people, that it's like it's like so many other things. It's like the lawfare. It's like um, just so much of what we've seen. They overplay it. They overextend it. You know, when something is just done, when something's initially done, you might say, wow, there's some righteousness in doing that. There was some legitimacy to that. But then when you see that concept take and be pushed over and over and over again, and it gets more exaggerated and it gets more punitive, and that's what we saw with the the cancellation, then I think that people at a point start going, huh, wait a minute. And, you know, that's what I know he's controversial, but Russell Brand, Russell Brand had a horrible month back in 2023 when those media sources went out and found these women that said oh yeah they went and you know had some kind of tryst with them with a guy who has been as upfront (laughs) as can be about having a checkered past and it really for a while there and I mean I, I listened to his podcast pretty regularly and you could see I mean he was concerned but it's blown over and people are like the accusers just aren't that whole believe all women isn't so easy a thing to sell anymore and it's kind of like just believe all allegations believe all accusations the same with trump and the lawfare people just aren't believing these things anymore you can only tell them so much so many times people are so bad and all of a sudden it's like wait a minute you know rod blagojevich talk about somebody who has been somewhat vindicated yes you know he went and did his time i mean he did some bad things he went and did he his time did, but what other politician doesn't do exactly it? that come back to ken paxton so so yeah i mean it's interesting the people roseanne here she had you know her show and got and got booted off because of a stupid tweet 
one night about Valerie Jarrett and people so overreacted. And I mean, and some people like her, um, you know, like others, I think it's almost becoming a badge of honor that well, I was I canceled so. and I'm coming back better than, you know, still but, standing. But let me mention some people that haven't been canceled. 52 members of the United <laughs> States Intelligence Committee signed a letter, or community, I should say, signed a letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Not one of them has paid a price. And two names on that included uh, people who were in former high positions who now have highly paid positions at either MSNBC or CBN. Oh, we're not talking about Jim Clapper. We're talking we? about Clapper and, and Brennan. Brennan. And those, those, guys, those guys should have been laughed out of town. So is there an awakening about these guys? Uh, is there a, an awakening? Well, there's certainly, I think, an awakening that the Hunter Biden laptop was real. Well, that's part of the the elite media is certainly trying to preemptively position that tr a Trump coming back to office is going to be on a mission of retribution. And... That's what they would consider going after a Brennan or a Clapper or any of those people, um, you know, looking at the, the Justice Department for what they have not done, the FBI for what they have not done in investigating Hunter Biden. Wait a minute. They're wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. retribution. Now, you, there's, are, are you saying that they're worried that Trump might imprison people for political reasons? I mean, I'm, I'm the guy that has coined the term. For a new holiday, January Sixmas, <laughs> and on January Sixmas, people entered the Capitol. Some people tore things up, destroyed property, broke glass. I think they should pay a price. Some people walked through, see what was going on, walked out, and are now in jail. Well, from the from the leftist view, it's called retribution. Uh -huh. From a conservative view, it's called accountability. And that's the difference. If you're going to arrest J6 prisoners, you're going to convict them, throw, essentially throw the book at them and put them in jail for as long as you can. Then let me ask you about the summer of 2020 with Black Lives Matter right. and Antifa. Let me ask you about what's going on right now. We had an insurrection at the White House a week or so ago. Correct. As we, as we do this broadcast. And... MSNBC, the New York Times, CNN ignored it totally. People breached the fence at the White House. Yeah, and they were they were talking. Uh, they were calling uh, the president of the United States or the guy that uh, may not legitimately be, but is genocide Joe. Nothing happened to them. Uh, why is it that that that's that two system tiered of justice has been talked about for so long? Is that part of this new awakening? I, I think it is. And we've got another great example to be watching right now, too. And that is Hunter Biden in this whole deposition thing and, and defying the subpoena and the potential contempt of court or contempt of Congress with that. Because, you know, Peter Navarro, I'm, he's looking at six months in jail. Steve Bannon, he's out on appeal. Eric Holder went to jail for that. No, wait a minute. Eric Holder didn't no, go. I'm so sorry. Party, Eric Holder party. did not go to jail. No, yeah. No. Yeah, wasn't even charged. No. But here are these guys. You know, you make those cases go away right now. Both of them are still out a million dollars in legal fees. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I know we're running out of time. I do want to mention one other thing that I think we're having an awakening on, and that is defunding police. We yes. defunded the police. I, I work in Austin, as you mentioned. I'm in Austin at least five days a week. Austin defunded the police by moving money from their budget for hiring policemen, training policemen, into more of what I would call a 311 strategy. If you're a woman and you're being raped, you call and try to get a psychologist to come out and tell the guy to go away or to come out and help him because obviously he's doing this because he's been mis mistreated in some way. That hasn't worked. The city of Austin set two records, and it kept going for two or three years. One was traffic fatalities. We didn't have any policemen to, you know. I don't like radar traps anymore than anybody else does, but they do help control the, right. the speed. they're a deterrent. And the other thing was homicides. Austin set records for homicides. And, you know, being a city the size it is, that's a lot of homicides. And I believe that that sane people have now understood, yes, we have bad cops. Yes, we need to get rid of bad cops. Yes, we need to have police oversight. But, uh, yeah, we need police. Correct. Well, in New York City, before the illegals started being bussed up there, before that even happened, New York City, because of what de blasio did and then eric adams hasn't been any better they have had their cuts in policing and the city was already pre-immigration issues mm -hmm. was becoming it was reverting back to what it was back in the 80s and that's just so sad well, Bill de blasio's got to be the worst mayor of any city in history of the united states yeah yeah i don't know um the woman in Chicago was pretty was pretty bad. Lori, Lori Lightfoot, uh, or uh, Mayor Beetlejuice, as we like to call her. Uh, you know, I, I know we're running out of time. Let me just bring this up and get your thought on it. Chris Christie ran on a platform. I hate Trump. That was his platform. Right. Right now, Joe Biden is running on a platform. His platform is I hate Trump. All the Democrats are and on board. Trump voters. And Trump voters, which has come out in, in the last couple of days, uh, big time, where Joy Reid says, you can't just hate Trump. you got to hate his voters, too, because they're enabling him. And, and so Biden, with really one accomplishment that they say over and over and over and over, he's lowered the cost of insulin. And I think that's, I mean, I haven't looked into that. It may be interfering in the free market anyway. But, okay, if I, if I had was a sufferer from that and I needed insulin, that would be fine. But that's, they can't run, be elected president on that platform. So remember the red speech, the Nazi speech? Oh. I mean, and then some ensuing speeches after that. And right now, uh, Kamala Harris appears to be the face of the campaign, going on The View, uh, making speeches all over the country, uh, talking about how awful Trump is. Is that a way they can win? I don't think so, especially in this climate. Not with people waking up. Exactly. So I, I just, you know, I, I, I see a very interesting constitutional situation coming up. The Trump is probably going to get convicted to something. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they, he, he, I don't know that Fanny is going to have any luck. And this, this thing with the, the idiot woman, I, I, that's just pay her some money and she goes away. Right. 
I don't know whether uh, the Mar-a-Lago stuff or anything like that is going to to really produce a conviction, but I suspect they will get something. I also suspect he will be elected president. And so then we're going to have that what happens. Do they put all that on hold for four years while he serves? And that's going to be an interesting thing. But uh, your, your thoughts to close out the podcast. I think with that, it's all the more important that Republicans need to retain the House and regain the Senate so that if it's thrown somehow to the legislature, we have the most leverage that we could potentially have. Now, just because you have a House Republican majority doesn't mean they're going to use it and that's going to work in Trump's favor, sadly. But without those majorities we know it definitely will work to its detriment. Well, we've got to do something about the biggest crisis that I think faces America, and that is the national debt. It's it's not, I mean, it's always been burdensome to have to spend so much money on the interest, but it's getting to the point where it will collapse the country at some point. And And it's going to just happen. And you're going to have, on Thursday, things are going to be rocking along like you know they always have been. So you think, and on Friday, it's going to hit the fan. You, you remember and when Bush was president, the second Bush, and the housing crisis hit. Yes, and I didn't know it on Thursday, and I knew it on Friday, exactly, or whatever the days were. Exactly, yeah. and we all knew that was coming, and we didn't do anything about it. Barney Frank, of all people had been on the, on the case of that and said, we've got to do something. Barney Frank, who I don't agree with on anything, and George Bush had, had mentioned it before, and that, that's on record. You can still find that audio. Didn't do anything. Let's, let's sell houses to people at great rates, great interest rates, because of the color of their skin, who have mm-hmm. no ability to pay it back. What could possibly go wrong? Countrywide, friends of Mario. So to say, you know, and I don't want Putin to to take over Ukraine. But I think in the area of takeover, I think Europe needs to take over funding that war. We don't have the money. And to keep sending billions and billions of billions over there, and and I think Israel is a is a bigger deal to me for the future of the, of the United States. But I think we've got to fix that, and, and, and I hope to God that there is an awakening on, on this issue of this debt. I, I think it's coming. I think it's coming because people, their lived, their lived experience is, is bad. And the thing is, they're going to start understanding. There are so many people now, I've been reading about how, you know, you're starting to see more defaults on credit cards. And so when they can start seeing how those defaults on the credit card and when they were paying 24% interest, what that interest is going to be compounding on their own monthly statements, well, that's exactly what's happening with the national debt. Mm -hmm. And so I think they, you know, it's unfortunate that for some people it would take that much, that black and white of an example in order to be able to understand it. But we've got their attention and there's people in their own lives that are going to see how that mounting debt is unsustainable and they're going to start understanding more from the national level with bidenflation because the interest on that debt is not two or three percent right i mean it's somewhere between eight and fifteen percent anything you have to yeah anything you have to negotiate now we're going to see that in the commercial market as well awakening lions
And we've certainly covered a lot of issues that we could all awake to. And let's hope that people do it. Uh, the Democrats have been in power. They've implemented their agenda with great aggressiveness. And the whole world is in deep doo-doo. 2024, it's going to be a rocking and rolling year. Get ready for it. Remember, courage is contagious, so go spread some around. All right. For Planet Logic, thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And political pursuits. We'll look forward to next time.